So in verses 1 to 10, we've talked about the fact that God has chosen us to be holy and blameless. We've talked about God adopting us into his family. We've talked about being redeemed and forgiven. Redeemed is an interesting word because uh, if you're going to read, if someone was to write you a check, you have to redeem that check at the bank. Uh, who how were we redeemed? We were redeemed with the blood of Jesus. We've been, we've been set free. And God has chosen us to, be, to show us the mystery of his will. So this particular morning, these verses between 11 and 14, we're going to talk about three different things. I am chosen for an inheritance. I'm included in Christ. And I have the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we'll focus on. So let's uh, I'm going to read this, read it in, in whatever translation you have in your hand, but I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1, 11 to 14. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance. I'm going to stop there for a minute, because some of your translations say predestined. And sometimes we get caught up in that word predestined, predestination. Why bother praying? Because if God's predestined, it doesn't make any difference whether I pray or I don't pray. Or maybe he's predestined me to be a believer, but the person, my loved one that's not saved, they just have never been predestined to live a life according to God's plan. So in this whole area of predestination, let me make something really clear. Hopefully this helps you. In predestination, it's not I'm going to pick you and I'm going to pick you, and I'm going to pick you. That's not what that is talking about. What it's talking about is the last will and testament. That's really what your Bible is. It's God's last will and testament. If you were to receive an inheritance, uh, a, a, someone would call you, probably a lawyer would give you a call and say, there's going to be a reading of the will, or I want, I want like to meet you because I'm going to read to you what is left for you in the will as, as an inheritance. Well, God left us an inheritance, he left us a will. And the will is written in the New Testament, testament being a will, will and testament. And so in this will and testament, he has said what? He's saying, I wish that none would perish and that all would come to repentance, right? So in his will and testament, he set out a plan for everybody. When someone writes a will, maybe you've written up a will, when you write up that will and you start putting errors into that will, you think about that particular person with that particular piece of property, or you think about how would they handle this, um, uh, whatever it is that you're leaving. How would they handle it? Would they be a good steward of it? Would they be able to handle it with, uh, would it grow if it was, do they, do they have my heart on this? Do they, do they value it? You're not going to leave somebody, if you have something of great value, you're not going to write in your will and leave that to someone that really couldn't care less about that piece of property. You want to leave it for someone that understands the value that it, the sacrifice possibly it took for you to get it. And that's what God did. He premeditated his will. He thought about who he was going to put in the will, and it's everybody. It's not just one here, one there, one there. He, be, he predestined, he chose that none should perish, that all would come to repentance. This is for everybody. He didn't leave anybody out. The difference is, is when there is a will written, whether or not there's a receiving of the will. If you can't, if you can't be found for the reading of a will or you don't want to be a part of that will, 
then it doesn't make the, what was left for you any less. It's still there. It was still available for you. You just made a choice not to go there. You made a choice not to have that in your life. And that's where we come in, say, and the, the choice that we have to receive and accept what God did, which is in the next part of the verse. It says, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first to trust in Christ, Paul was writing this, would be bring praise and glory to God. And now he's speaking to the Gentiles in Ephesians. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. So they heard it. They heard the reading of the will. How was, the, how was it ratified? Through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And you, when you believed in Christ... When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he had promised long ago. And the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. And the definition of inheritance is this. It's the practice of passing on five different things, property, titles, debts, rights, and obligations. In our particular case, we're not taking on a debt. How amazing is this? He takes our debt. We receive the inheritance and he takes our debt. Okay, that doesn't happen. <laughs> if, you, if you're receiving an inheritance, unless it says in the, inher in the will, and by the way, if this person owes anyone anything through the, the money that is left in my will, I want that to be nullified. That's what you got in all the spiritual debt that we had. Jesus took care of that in his will and testament. Isn't that good news? That's our inheritance. So how do we know we have an inheritance? Because of verse 11, because we're united in Christ. Now, God's done something really interesting. Not only has he given us an inheritance, which is completely undeserved, there is nothing we can do more of, there's nothing that we can do less of to receive more of that inheritance. It's ours for the taking. I have these boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts up here. And, uh, man, they smell good. I just want you to know they are. Now, most of the boxes are empty, so, just so, that, so I don't have a stampede up on the stage afterwards. The majority of these are empty. But there are some that have some Krispy Kreme donuts in here. And let's just say that I received a portion as an inheritance, uh, some stocks in the Krispy Kreme company. And as a down payment, they sent these over to me. So these are my... This is my assurance that I, yeah, I actually did receive something from the Krispy Kreme Corporation. And just to prove it, they sent over a few donuts, okay? So here's these donuts over here. I did nothing to deserve that. I, I, I don't even know anybody in the Krispy Kreme Corporation. So the fact that I would get these has absolutely nothing to do with anything that I've done. Every gift that God has given to us as an inheritance has absolutely nothing to do with anything you and I have done. Uh, it, it's completely free. But not only has he given us this amazing inheritance, but he's also, the Bible says that he's also chosen you to be his inheritance. So it's actually twofold, two sides of the coin, same coin, two different sides. God has chosen us to be his inheritance. That's amazing. When you think of your inheritance, it's something very valuable. It's, in fact, it was valuable enough for someone to take the time and pay the price to have that will uh, uh, put together, to have it, to have it legal, have it, have it in a place where it could be found. You, you go to work to have a, there's work involved to have a will put together. 
God has us as his inheritance. That means we must be incredibly valuable to him. In fact, there's nothing else that says the inheritance the way he talks about us being his inheritance. We're his inheritance. Uh, he's built us up to give us an inheritance, Acts 20, verse 32 says. It's a message of his grace. It built us up and it gives us an inheritance with all of those that he has set apart for himself. Now, there's something about not only what is our inheritance or how, how do we know we have an inheritance, but also who receives the inheritance. In Luke chapter 15, there's three stories, there's three parables. I, was, I grew up in the church, and it wasn't until I was 18 years old, okay, you realize how much I did not listen during those 18 years. I was to be in part of a skit in our youth group, and in the, the, the topic was to act out a parable. And I had to ask our youth leader what a parable was. I had absolutely no idea. And they said, well, it's just one of the stories in the Bible. I said, I had no idea. So maybe you're here today, and you say, I don't know what a parable is. It's just a story that it's an illustration that Jesus uses. And he uses three of those illustrations or stories in the, the book of Luke chapter 15. The first one is the story of the lost sheep and how the shepherd leaves the 99 to go looking for the one and how there's great rejoicing. And God uses that, or Jesus, when he's telling the story, he says, so it is, there's great rejoicing in the presence of angels when one comes into the kingdom of God or back into the kingdom of God. There's this great rejoicing. The second one is the parable of the lost coin where this woman has lost her coin and she's sweeping, she can't find this coin. And when she finds it, she's so excited. Well, that in itself doesn't seem to, to bring that excitement, but when Jesus again says, so it is when one is lost, the darkness is swept away, which is what we have to do in people's lives. We have to pray that darkness and get that darkness out of the way so that they can actually see the light. They can see who Jesus is. There's great rejoicing again, it says, in heaven over the, save, the one that is saved. And then the third one is the prodigal son, in Luke chapter 15, and of course, we all know the story of the, the younger son who demanded his inheritance or what was his uh, prior to his father's passing away, which actually isn't considered an inheritance until after someone dies, but he wanted his, his portion, and he wanted to, to have it, and he squanders it, of course, comes back, and what happens? The father throws him a party. Older son comes back and can't, he, he can't quite get his head around it because he's still on a works thing. And he says, I don't get it. I don't know how you could throw your son a party. And, and the father says, but he was lost and he's home. Everything I have, though, is yours, he says to the older son. But it's just this great rejoicing in what? It's a great rejoicing in the finding. Do you know that when you gave your heart to Jesus, when you first recognized that Jesus was the son of God, and you said, I receive him in my life, heaven literally threw a party. It was like, oh, I'm so glad. James Pham. Let's write James. Oh, right after him? Who else? Oh, oh, Janice McConnell. Oh, okay. Okay, right. Oh, oh. Jennifer Ann. Oh, yeah. It wasn't just this, oh, let's just let's just write names down in this huge Lamb's Book of Life. Every single time it says that there was great, exceedingly great joy. It says in one translation, where else do you see exceedingly great joy? With birth of Jesus exceedingly great joy when one when you you had there was a party for you so you don't think there's going to be a party when you come back you're the one you're the one we got so excited for i'm looking forward to entering heaven's gates and and feeling like i okay you know when you go to a new place it's like where, where do i go 
It's like the first time you come to church, what do I do? Where do I go? You, you're not quite sure what the protocol is. I don't know what heaven's protocol is when you first get there. You know, do you, who, who do you see first? We've heard all these stories. But, you know, what's the protocol? You know that there's going to be great rejoicing. And I, I think, in my little mind, somewhere, I think, okay, if, there were, if they thought about me, God thought about me on that day, would he again think about me when I come back? And that he'd say, you're the one that we rejoiced over. You're the one that there was excitement over. Ah, part of our inheritance. There is a, inheritance usually comes one of two ways. An inheritance will either come through birth order or it comes by choice. Birth order, of course, is if you have the last name of a person that has something to give, your name will be written in that inheritance as an heir, totally based on your name, the family that you've come from, or it's based on choice. It's because the person who is writing the will up has said, you know, I, this person has, is really special to me. They're not, there's no relation, but I think whatever I leave with them, they're going to be a good steward of this, and I want it to continue a legacy. I want it to continue. They have my heart, and so I want to leave this with them. It means something to them, so I'm writing them into the will. Well, God did both. Not only were we born into the kingdom of God, but he also adopted us into the kingdom. He is, he's allowed us to be able to walk into this place of ownership with him that we could never have, this, this inheritance. There's a movie that came out um, not too long ago called Blindside. And if you've seen the movie, you'll, you'll catch the little clip that I'm about to show. But the, the gist of the story, based on a true story, is a, a young man that a family, in particular the mom, the wife of this family, saw him and just had an overwhelming compassion for him, not based on anything that he had done. She didn't know anything of his background at that point, and asked him to come into their home, and which kind of threw everybody off a little bit in the family scenarios, as, as it would, in, I think, any family. And... So this, this young man comes into the home, and the more that he stays in the home, the more that they just have this overwhelming desire and love and compassion for him to be a part of the family, and eventually he's adopted into this family. Let's watch this little clip to see what he inherits. Over here you have a desk, a chest of drawers, you have a nightstand, a light, an alarm. Oh, and Sean says all the pro athletes use futons if they can't find a bed big enough, so I got you one of those. Of course, the frame was heinous. Not about to let that in my house, but I got you something nicer. It's mine? Yes, sir. What? Never had one before. What, a room to yourself? A bed. Well, you have one now. Not based on anything he deserved, just based on the love and compassion of a family. Our inheritance is not based on anything, like I said, that we, des that we have done to deserve it. It's totally based on the love of our Father. Amen. So who receives the inheritance? We receive it. Those that have heard, verse 13, those that have heard the gospel, the good news that God saves us, hearing brought trust, trust brought belief, and belief brought the seal of the Holy Spirit. The first part was what? Hearing. 
hearing. In Lamentations, I think it's in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24, it says this, I will say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will have hope in him. I love the first part of that verse because it says, I will say to myself, aren't you glad you're not the only one that talks to yourself? I'm really glad there's somebody else in the Bible that says, I will say to myself. Because I use scripture and I say to myself, when we have to encourage ourselves in the Lord, uh, like David had to, we can say things and uh, say scripture, which is what he said, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. When there doesn't seem to be hope from anywhere else, I can say, Lord, my hope is in you. My hope is in the name of the Lord. And it's not thinking. Notice how it didn't say, and I was thinking to myself, I had this thought, God would be my inheritance. No, it's like, I'll say to myself, many years ago, 30 to be exact, someone told us, he said, you know what, the best thing you can do when you pray is pray God's word and speak it out. Don't just think it, but say it. Doesn't God know our every thought? He knows our thoughts, but there's something about us speaking because God's word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And it's not only listening to somebody preach. It's not only listening to somebody on an, on an iPod or whatever you have. It's also listening your ears, hear your voice talking. And you speak it out like it says in Lamentations. There's a book called Prayers That Availeth Much. If you don't have, I know it sounds like a really corny title, but it is one of the best books on praying scripture you know why it's one of the best books because one thing it doesn't get old i still have i have mine on my night table right now it's about five different pieces it's been ripped apart so many times but all it is is scripture so it doesn't get old it's timeless and there's something about when we speak god's word what did he when abraham spoke god's word he called those things that be not as though they were right that's what the bible says and god counted it to him as righteousness God thought that was, he said, he got it. He has my heart. He gets it. What does he get? He gets the fact that he called nothing into being. Really? But that's what God did. That's our father God. In creation, Genesis 1, doesn't it say that in verse 2 that the, the, it was, the earth was without form? It was void without form? What did he do? He spoke into existence light. He spoke into existence creation with words with words, these words. So going back to this book, Prayers That Availeth Much, all it is is scriptures put together under different titles depending on what your need would be. To uh, walk a walk in the spirit, to have the joy of the Lord, various different titles. Why is that so important to do that? Because you and I don't always know how to pray as we ought. If that was true, every prayer we would ever pray would be answered. And it's not. It's because we don't know how to pray as we ought. We don't always pray God's word. We pray our word. We pray our desires. We pray our problems. We pray all these different things that we think, oh God, oh God, oh God. And so to align ourselves with God's word is just simply speaking truth. There's a verse in Psalm that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When I was a young girl, I was given that on a plaque and I had it up in my room. I loved that verse. But somehow I completely missed the delight yourself in the Lord part. I only saw it and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And as a young, as a young girl, I, this is great. He'll give me the desires of my heart. So as I prayed, I prayed, God, you said you give me the desires of my heart. And this is my, and they were completely selfish. 
It was all about me. And so it's like, you said you'd give me the desires of my heart. Something happens when we begin to pray God's word. When we begin to delight ourselves in him, how do we delight ourselves in him? Reading his word, speaking his word, praying his word. And as we do that, something changes on the inside of us. You know what changes? Those desires. All of a sudden, those desires aren't my desires. All of a sudden, those desires now are his desires. When I look back at what those desires used to be, and they're still, I mean, they're still, we're a work in progress. He's still doing it. I'm so glad he is. But he takes those desires that are, my desires and he starts putting them through this filter and now i want to do what pleases him i want to give him glory it's not i don't want it i don't want i want him to have it and all of a sudden it's not about me having something it's about him using me for his glory for an eternal purpose how much better is that so here's this verse delighting yourself in the lord it's speaking god's word so about 30 years ago when we first that book is at least that old because We've been using it for that many years. Someone told us to take it. And when you read that, I, I don't remember the background of why our Bible school instructor said this, but they said, when you take it, read it out loud. And if you have to, walk the floor. And we were just, I guess, hungry enough to say, OK, that's what we're going to do. So every time I pick up that book, you know, I still cannot read it sitting down. I have to pick up that book, and it's just scripture. It's, it's just scripture put into prayers. I read it while I walk, and I've walked bedrooms. You can walk that in your bedroom. You can walk that in your living room. You can walk that in your kitchen. You can walk that. I've used that book in, a, in an airport stall. I just walk like this, and I use it. I have used it. It is something powerful. Why is that so powerful? Because the inheritance for us to understand what we have in Christ is all found in this will and testament. And so much of it is just sitting there. There's so much more than what we can see. And it's waiting to be explored. It's waiting to be lavished upon us. Not so that we go, aha, look at us. It's so that that sweet smelling fra fragrance that the Bible says you and I are in him can be smelt by other people. That aroma can be can bring more into the kingdom of God. When we were in the Philippines for the first time, we, we were staying at a hotel and very nearby there was this little, uh, little market and there was a stand with, that sold fresh pineapple. And the pineapple was incredible. And I, the first time we walked by, we just literally walked by and we, can you smell that? That smells so good, let's get one. And so we bought one, and not only did it smell good, but it tasted amazing. So the next morning, we did the same thing. And the next, for as long as we stayed there, we picked up a fresh pineapple every morning. Well, what drew us to that market? It was the scent. It was the smell, the aroma. And we're a sweet-smelling aroma. But what is the sweet-smelling aroma found in Galatians chapter 5? Again, sticking with our inheritance, what has he put inside each one of us to us? He's given us fruit. He's put in us the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, uh, and self-control. He's given us this fruit that's hanging on our tree, but guess what, what does fruit do? It has this incredible aroma when it's fresh and when it's good. And when we're in God's Word and we're, we're speaking it like Lamentation said, and we're calling forth things that aren't as though they are, which sounds so crazy, doesn't that just sound wild? Doesn't that just sound like God? Just do something that isn't normal. Do something that isn't in the natural. Do something 
supernatural, put the super in front of it, and call forth peace into a situation when there isn't peace, call forth joy when there's depression, call forth the opposite, call forth healing when there's sickness. Isn't that calling forth something as though it were? That's what his word, that's, that's what he tells us to do. And so here we are, we have this fruit in our lives hanging. I go like this because I think I'm a tree. I think that's why I'm doing this. For, yeah. Uh, so we have this fruit flowing through us, and it should be so attractive. The scent captures other people. It's not what we're wearing. It's not how you've done your hair. It's not the clothes that you, it's, it's, it's that's not what it is. It's the aroma. It's the sweet-smelling fragrance. Just like you just have to walk by. Have you ever walked by a bakery or walk by a certain restaurant, and every time you, that smells so good. It's the smell draws you in. And that's what our inheritance is, is we have this sweet smelling aroma. But for it to be, for it to be splashed on us, for it to be really evident, we meditate on it. We speak it. We delight ourselves in him. And he gives us the desires of our heart. Because those desires are now his desires, and his desires is that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. Amen? Amen. So, who receives it? We do. Uh, we're loved. We're chosen. You're included. You're a part of that. You're in that inheritance. You want to be in an in crowd? You're in it. This is it. This is the in crowd. It's the in Christ crowd. Yeah, for whatever that's worth. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 7, which is just before the chapter before the fruit of the Spirit, is where God talks about us being an heir and a joint heir with Christ, and heirs according to the promise, where he lets us know that we actually are, you are an heir and an heiress to the kingdom of God, which is pretty cool. David Wilkerson, who recently went on to be with the Lord, has something great to share in one of his devotionals about the fact that we are now bought with a price, adopted into the kingdom, and we have an inheritance. Allow me to read this. He said, the Holy Spirit has a way of simplifying our relationship with God. He's the one that teaches us to say, Abba, Father. This phrase refers to an oriental custom in Bible days regarding the adoption of a child. And until adoption papers were signed and sealed by the adoptive father, the child saw this man only as a father. He had no right to call him mine. Yet, as soon as the papers were signed and registered and sealed, the child's tutor presented him to the adopted fa adopting father, and for the first time, the child could say, Abba, Father. As the father would embrace him, the young one cried, My father. He's not just a father. He's my father, Abba, Father. In this work and ministry of the Holy Spirit, he tutors you of Christ. He presented us to the father, and now he keeps reminding us, I have sealed the papers. You're no longer an orphan. You're legally a son or a child of God. You have a very loving, wealthy, powerful father. Embrace him. Call him my father. I have come to show, I've come to show you, the Holy, as the Holy Spirit is saying, how much you are loved by him. He loved and wanted you. Isn't that good to be wanted? God wanted you. How do I know that? Because the Holy Spirit now in me is, a, is reminding me, reminding you of that. Our cry should now be one of exceeding joy and thanksgiving. The Spirit in us literally cries out, you are an heir, 
an inheritor of all that Jesus won. And all in that inheritance that you have, you have because your father is the wealthiest in the whole universe. Don't shy away from him. He's not mad at you. Stop, stop acting like an orphan who's poverty-stricken, lacking joy, and spiritual victory. You are not forsaken. We are not forsaken. But, you know, as much as we're not forsaken, the other thing that the Holy Spirit is is our comforter. Jesus talks about that in John chapter 14. Definition of a comforter means one to soothe in a time of pain or grief. We'd be in complete denial if, any, if we would think we could go through our entire life without ever feeling pain, without feeling sorrow or grief. Isn't it good to know that God gave us the whole package? He also gave us the Holy Spirit as a comforter, one who is there to help us. And he goes on to say that the Holy, by giving us the Holy Spirit and calling him comforter, Jesus made, made an infallible prediction. He was predicting that his people would be suffering discomfort and he would be in need, we would be in need of comfort that there would be pain, suffering, but he would also bring the comfort, reminding us that God's power works in us. Powerful. Book of Isaiah, it says that God goes before us and he makes rough places smooth. Now, why would he say that if there weren't going to be rough places? He's telling us there's, there's going to be some rough situations we're all going to find ourselves in. Getting an inheritance doesn't all of a sudden make everything, wow, my life now is completely free. I don't ever have to think about anything. No, it, it's saying that we, have, we can pull on what's in the inheritance. And he's saying that because we're part of the beloved, when there's rough places, he's going to make them smooth. He will go before us and make things smooth. That's, that's part of the covenant that we're in, part of the inheritance. That's good news. Good news. First Peter chapter four also verse chapter one verse four excuse me and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that kept in heaven it's for you it's pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change or decay just as much as you may have a security box somewhere God has a security box for you and I and it's a priceless inheritance we've been given a down payment though of the inheritance love. Not only the fruit of the Spirit in us, but think of some things, the love of God that's been shed abroad in your hearts. Think of soundness of mind. Think of peace when there shouldn't be any peace. Okay, that's a big one. He actually told us we could be anxious for nothing. Wow. And he said what? A peace of God which guards your what? Your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He, he'll put this guard of peace around us. How do you know if you're walking with this this peace that passes understanding because with everything that's going around, you should not be as calm as you are. You should not be having the spirit of joy that you have. You should not be in such a resting place as you are in. What is that? That's the inheritance that you're experiencing right now that you have this peace that goes beyond your understanding. It goes beyond the understanding of people in your life because it's just so amazing. You've got this peace. You've got soundness of mind. My grandmother this week turns 101. She still lives on her own. She's an amazing lady, loves Jesus with all of her heart. And she, uh, yeah, you can clap for her. I'm not sure she'll ever know you did that, but that's really nice. I could send her the CD. Maybe I'll do that. Let's send her, we'll send her a copy of this. She'll love that. Um, she'll go, oh, Cheryl, I can't believe you did that. You should have never said that. Uh, she's, she, has, she still thinks clearly, and for about the last decade at least, she's wondering why she's still around. And uh, she said, the, I said, well, what, you know, what, what do you do? And most days, what do you do? And she said, well, it takes me almost the whole day just to pray for everybody because there's my kids and my grandkids and my great-grandkids and my great-great-grandkids, and by that time, I'm just tired. 
And here's a lot of them. So she went to the doctor not too long ago, and the doctor did some testing on her that he's never done before. And while he's doing this, these tests, she says, why, why are you doing this? And he's not, you know, I'm just, I just want to make sure that we've, we've checked everything out. And she couldn't, she's never had them before, and she, she was a little bewildered. And so on the trip home from the doctor's back home, my uncle's driving, and she goes, I get it. He thinks I'm, my mind isn't all completely there. That's why he's testing me on those things. Well, I'm going to write him a letter. And so she got out a card, and she wrote a thank you, a thank you card. Thank you for seeing me today. Um, you know, appreciate you as my doctor. And then she put in there 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power of love and a sound mind. She circled a sound mind. <laughs> Sincerely, Agatha. And she sent it off. That's knowing your inheritance. It's having a soundness of mind. And it's so good to know that we can think clear thoughts when we have that. Oh, there's so much more to go through. First, first uh, Corinthians 2 verse 9 says, with regards to the inheritance, that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. In fact, neither has even entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. We can't even fathom to think about, hear about, see Everything you've seen that's been amazing, that's great, that's over and above, doesn't even come close to what God has prepared for you. We have such an amazing inheritance waiting for us. So when do we receive it? Well, right now we have that seal. We have that seal of the Holy Spirit. If you, uh, not so much today, but in, uh, in earlier times when there was a transaction that was done, a legal document or a document of great importance, what was done? It was written, it was put in an envelope, there was wax that was melted, it was poured on, and then whoever wrote it or the person of authority would seal it, correct? And then it would be taken to uh, the rightful owner. Well, what, what God has done through the blood of Jesus, being the wax, so to speak, he sealed it with the precious blood of Jesus. Now the seal that is on there is the Holy Spirit. Who wrote what's the inside, the, the information on the inside? What's in that? It's our inheritance from the Lord. And part of that inheritance is eternal life. Just to make sure that that was never tampered with, he sealed it by himself with the person of the Holy Spirit not trusting anyone else to put that seal, but him, he himself, knowing that by doing so, that when that is opened, that day that when we go home to glory, that that will be opened and all will be revealed. So important that he has sealed us. He's kept us. He's put a down payment on us, so to speak, a guarantee in some translations. If you, if you buy a, a purchase a piece of property and you want to put a down payment on or you want to put a guarantee on that, why do you do that? Why would Krispy Kreme send me a guarantee or a down payment just to prove that there's more to come and I'm good for the promise? And that's what God's done in the Holy Spirit. He's proving to us that there's more to come. And I've run out of time, so I have to use this in closing. Once we receive the inheritance and we accept it, it's never just for us to keep for ourselves. It's not for us to hoard. It's not for us to just put on display and say, look what I have. Everyone comes over to my house, although they would get rather stale. But it's, this isn't, it, it's not about me. It's about receiving something, accepting, gladly receiving that gift that God's given me and giving it away, right? It's passing it on to someone else. It's allowing that fruit to be enjoyed by someone else. So I have some some 
Krispy Kreme donuts here in this box. And uh, out of my inheritance, I could just, this, this part would be very difficult if I asked, raised hands who would like a Krispy Kreme donut because it's yours. I think I have another one. It's yours. The Bible says, freely you've received, freely give. Right? Freely. Right there. Cream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Quan. Uh, sorry, not Quan. Yeah, sorry. Uh, she had her hand up before you. Ah. But yeah, she can share. There you go. There you go. That's it. I don't have any more. It's to be given. It's to be. Do you know why they, they, the people that received those donuts? It's because not only was it available, but they were, I want it. I need it. And part of the, <laughs> I'm hungry. It's lunchtime. Okay, but in a spiritual context, let's just. Get out of the Krispy Kreme for a moment. In a spiritual context, with the inheritance that God has given us, it's there and available for all of us, right? The will and testament is for everybody. But at some point, we have to receive. He's not going to come and drop it and shove it in our mouths. I, I don't, just, no, who, who's willing to run, rush up to him and say, I need you. I want you. I want to be a partaker of it. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.